Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. We did a little interview today with a friend of mine, Dustin Heinen, who uh, started the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference, or RubeCon is, a, is what we call it. Last year, it was the first of an annual event, and this year it's RubeCon 2023. So we were talking the other day uh, because he invited me back as the keynote speaker for this, uh, what is actually a three-day event uh, in Phoenix or in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, we thought, hey, why don't we uh, just do a podcast recording. We'll both post it on our individual podcasts and we'll just have, have a candid conversation or candid discussion about investing today. And we didn't script this or, you know, put a, an outline together or figure out what we're going to talk about. We just thought, okay, well, you know, let's just talk about whatever comes to mind and we'll talk about where we are, maybe where we've been and where we're headed this year in terms of investing, housing trends, the economy, interest rates, maybe talk about markets and whatnot. And so we just thought, okay, you know, let's just hit record and see where it goes. So anyway, we had a great conversation. I'm recording this intro after the fact. So we recorded earlier today and it was a great conversation. We had a lot of good points to bring up and interesting trends and some facts and some data and statistics and just had a good time at it. So it was about a 35 minute interview and I think you're going to get a fair amount out of it. And then towards the end, you know, we'll take a minute and talk about the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference or RubeCon that's coming up in a few months in uh, Scottsdale. So I hope you enjoy today's candid conversation. I'm sure you'll get a few golden nuggets out of it. And if you have any questions, you know, just by all means, contact me, my team or Dustin and his team. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in a few months uh, rubbing shoulders and networking and having some food and drink and whatever else out in Arizona. All right. Well, enjoy the episode. Well, I am here with a good friend of mine, Mr. Dustin Heiner. Dustin, let's uh, rock this thing. How are you? Bless, Marco. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's great getting to hang out with you again and just talk shop. I mean, that's what's fun about being an investor is we're not just you know telling people how to do this. We invest. That's one thing that if we're going to do anything, we're going to be investing in real estate. So it's great getting on to talk to you about this and really just share where we are in our investing and what we're seeing coming in the future. Yeah. So let's just quickly set the stage. You and I were talking offline. In fact, it was another day and we thought, hey, let's uh, get together and and record, I guess, an episode and talk about where we are in the market, You know, where we came from and where we are, what's going on and what we expect to see coming up in the future and then maybe make an argument or two as to why it may be or is a really good time to invest in real estate right now. So this is completely unscripted. You and I don't have an outline or a script or anything like that. We're just having a conversation. We're kicking some ideas around and our thoughts are really what we want to share with our audiences, correct? Totally, totally. And I'll be putting this on my show as well, sharing with them because like if other people being able to listen to to us, you know, expert investors, you know, being a fly on the wall, listening to how we're talking, like I'm seeing right now, in fact, just very similar, eerie similarities to 2008. So I started investing back in 2006. And so seeing all through the crash and investing through the crash and then not losing money, like the way I invest, like just like you with, with passive investing, we want to make sure that we're making money every single month. We're not flipping homes. We're not, you know, trying to hope for appreciation. We're not hoping for anything. No, we're, we're business owners. We want to make sure we're making money. And so when I saw 2008 happen, I was kind of worried that I'd be losing money. 
but my rents went up because I invest for cash flow for a passive income coming in every single month. And I'm looking at now, it's going to be very similar. It seems like it's going to be similar. In fact, right now in Phoenix, it's dropped from the high in 2022. It's already dropped. I want to say it's about 17% from the high of 2022. And I think it's just starting to, to be the best time ever to invest in real estate. What kind of similarities are you seeing from 2006 and, and eight, all that, that changed to where it is now? Well, let me answer your question first, because I have a comment about where we've been over the last couple of years. So if you look back to what happened in the early 2000s, we saw a massive run up and it, it was accelerating to the point where it got to a essentially a blow off top in 2006. And then things started to contract, credit dried up, people weren't able to finance their deals, builders overbuilt, and then they pulled back. And so prices started to drop. And then, you know, the, the 2006 quote unquote crash led to the Great Recession of 2008. And then, you know, for a period of years, we saw housing prices, well, asset prices across the board, but housing prices come down and what was expensive and overpriced became affordable and much less expensive. And numerically, the, the numbers penciled out, you know, like the, the prices dropped. Yes, rents dropped as well, but prices dropped faster and more than rent. So you became you got a situation where your rent to value or rent to price ratio made the numbers work. It penciled out. And so around 2012, 2011, 2012, that was essentially the trough, the bottom of the market, more or less across the country. You know, you could argue about which market dropped the most. But as far as a timing perspective, 2011, 2012 was probably the best time to start getting back into a market because that was the lowest price point. So that's what we saw back then. Now, I'm not saying that we're seeing that same type of drop right now, but if you look at where we came from over the last couple of years in 2020, 2021, and leading into 2022, we saw essentially a 20%, I'm rounding numbers here, of course, but we saw a 20% rate of appreciation in, on average, every market's different, but on average across the country for two years in a row. Now, 20% is abnormally high. And it's certainly unsustainable, but to see that happen for two years in a row is definitely outside the norm. And in fact, I don't know if we've ever seen that in history. So we've had this massive run up. Now what we're seeing is corrections across the board. I'm being a little long winded about this, Dustin, but you uh, just let me finish. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, we had historically low interest rates about a year or so ago. You know, we were down sub 3%, which is incredibly cheap credit cheap financing. At the same time, we had supply and demand imbalances that were driving prices up rapidly. So you had a perfect storm. If you were able to know what was going to happen, that would have been the perfect time to time your entry into the real estate market around that period of time. Well, let's fast forward to today. So a year ago in you know January 2022, 20, we had interest rates that were somewhere around three and a half percent at that time. It did dip below three percent. If you look across the 100 major metropolitan areas across the country, there were only three markets that were frothy at that time. It was Boise, Idaho, Salt Lake City, Utah, and Austin, Texas. And at that point, those markets were what you might call higher risk, okay? The risk as in not like it's, it's a bad investment. Risk in terms of we are overpriced, overextended and overbought to the point where there has to be a pullback. If there's any change in the economy, any change in interest rates, you're going to see a drop and, and a pullback. So fast forward to today. Now of that those same 100 markets, 96% of them are what you would classify as overbought or high risk, higher risk. 
and and they are I, I was going to say they're due to correct but they're already correcting the majority of them are already correcting and so you know if you stretch a rubber band far enough you know and you let go it's going to snap back it may be stretched out further than what it was originally you know it, it, because of uh, that's just what happens but but markets tend to do that too that's why a lot of markets are cyclical so maybe maybe not as much as you know other markets like the coastal markets but anyway long story short what i'm saying is that today we are seeing these markets correcting, and there has been an, a fair amount of correction. Tie that now again with mortgage rates starting to slowly come back down, and you don't have the perfect storm yet, but you're getting to a point where it's making more and more sense to invest in many of these markets around the country, some more so than others. And so, you know, you just got to have your dry powder ready and start underwriting and looking at deals in different markets and pick, you know, the deals that make sense because. You know, we were talking about this offline. It, it, for me, it's not a matter of should I invest or if I should invest, it's where should I invest. For me, it's a matter of location. There's always a deal out there. 100%. And everywhere, you're going to be able to find deals. Now, the deals will be harder to find when it's a seller's market, but you still find them. My students are finding them all the time. I mean, we're capturing equity. I mean, you would think in a seller's market, everybody's paying it over, let's say 10% over, 5% over asking price. No, we were actually getting... 10% lower, 15 and 20% lower, because there are always going to be good deals. And what I see right now, so people ask me, well, Dustin, if the market's going to correct, should I wait? Like, well, honestly, I don't think so. And the reason, there are a couple of reasons. Number one, I thought back into 2018, there was going to be a correction back then, but it, that didn't happen, obviously. And so if I would have stopped investing then, because, oh, it's coming, I would not be where I'm at. And my students would not be at the same place. So we don't know when it's actually going to happen. That's number one. Number two, on top of that, people ask you, know, obviously, the question, should I wait to invest? You don't wait to invest. Deals are everywhere, just like you said, Marco. But you don't wait to invest. You like I, I love this. It's, it's, it's a saying. So you don't wait to invest, but you buy real estate and then you wait. Mm -hmm. So you hold on to that real estate. Over time, you make money. And the beautiful thing about how, you know, if you invest for passive income, you passively try to invest so that you're making money every single month. I love passive income for my properties, the cash flow. And so when the market crashed in 2008, I thought I was going to be losing money. I saw so many people go bankrupt because they were either over leveraged, they were hoping for appreciation, they're trying to flip or whatever it might be. But this, the difference or the crazy thing was, and I just happened to, because I was doing this, I didn't, didn't know it was the right way to do it. Whether the market went up, down or sideways, I made money and I made more money because people ask, well, if there's foreclosures, the economy, everybody's getting laid off. Like Disney just said, they're going to lay off 7,000. Google just said they're laid off 10,000. Amazon, another like seven or 8,000. There's a lot of people are going to be losing their jobs, which is sad. But those would potentially be homeowners. And what happens to homeowners? Sadly, they lose their properties in foreclosure, but they have to live somewhere. So what is demand? Demand skyrockets for our rentals, for our properties that we buy and hold. And so I saw my income go up in the recession, which was just crazy. And so with that, the last thing I'll say, the reason why I say right now is the best time to invest in real estate is because just like if you were going to go surfing, if you're going to go surfing, you sit on your board. And then when a wave comes, you start paddling before the wave comes so you can catch that wave and ride it all the way in. You do not paddle after the waves already out past you. You're not going to catch that wave. And so we have no idea when it's going to happen. 
So we invest now because there are great deals. As long as we're making money every single month, as long as we know what we're doing, listen to Marco, listen to how we teach how to invest. If you do it well, you're going to be insulated from these big problems that a lot of people are going to have. But the biggest thing is that I love this quote. When is the best time to plant a tree? Well, it was 20 years ago. Well, the next best time is literally today. Same thing. You do not want to be sitting 20 years from now thinking, oh man, I was listening to Marco and Dustin talk on the podcast and I wish I would have started investing then. No, no, you don't want to be thinking that. You want to be thinking, I'm so glad that I was listening to them. I took action. I started investing 20 years ago and look at where I'm at now. Because in 20 years from now, we're going to forget everything that's happening now. We're going to already have forgotten what happened in 2008. And we're going to be looking at these properties making us more and more money every single month. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. If we stop to zoom out, take a look at the big picture, kind of the macro picture here, and you look at fundamentals, we're still in a situation where we have a housing shortage. So yes, you know, there's been a pause because interest rates have gone up. There's a bit of a pause because consumer confidence has dropped a little bit, which is exactly what the Federal Reserve is trying to do. They're trying to dry up consumer demand. But if you look at the fundamentals of population and population growth and the number of homes we need, we need 17.1 million homes if you measure it from 2020 to 2030. Okay, so think about that. 17.1. We have not been able to keep pace with that. Now, granted, builders have been aggressive and we have been closing that gap. But where we stand today is we're still at a 1.7 million household shortage today, and this is 2023. So although we're catching up, we're still in a deficit. So the fundamentals are very strong that there will be continued housing demand. And here's another interesting data point, if you will. So if you look at the last five decades, right, from 1980 through to today, and you look at 30-year-olds, like kind of that age where you're now considered like a full-on adult and you're either married or you're planning to get married. And now you're, you know, you're looking at home buying, You right? You want to get your first home, a starter home, affordable home, whatever you want to call it. If you look at the trend, you'll see that there's tailwind that's pushing us forward with home buying. And that is this. Today, 30-year-olds represent only 32% of home ownership in that demographic, in that age group. It was 58% in the, the 1980s. 58% of 30-year-olds were buying a home. It dropped considerably decade after decade to the low today of only 32%. So what does this mean? I mean, th- this tailwind means that there's additional pent-up demand, call it shadow demand if you want, but there's pent-up demand for these 30-year-olds to get back out there in the market and they're looking to buy a home. So, you know, again, that's favorable for us being landlords or you know, rental property owners, whatever you want to call us. So you got to look at the fundamentals. You got to consider the big picture, not just what's happening this year or in this quarter with interest rates or anything like that. You, you've got to step back and look at things from a long-term perspective. And if you do that, you'll be successful because if you go back to any year, any decade, look at what people did when they bought property, whether it was a low market or a high market, they made out very, very well when you fast forward 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. It's, you know, back to your tree analogy. Yeah, you don't wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. It's just over time. Things are going to work out better. Now, I remember 2008 and I couldn't get enough. Pro- there's so many properties. I didn't have enough money. I wish I had enough money. So now I'm actually blessed to have money, access to capital, all this stuff. Because when it does happen, I'm going to be ready to buy. Talk to me about what your what you saw going through that entire you know 2010 and 
how we can make sure that we're capitalizing. Because if there is something like a crash, which we don't know if there is or there isn't, we just know that real estate's a fantastic investment as long as we're getting good deals. What did you see? Any lessons that you learned going through that process of 2010, all the you know the, the crash of 2010, that we would be able to start implementing now, and as we see this happening, being able to utilize in the future. If I really thought about it, I'd probably come up with multiple lessons. The first one that really just popped in mind is probably the biggest mistake, quote unquote, investors made back then. The investors that we think were investors were really speculators. They were buying because they were just hoping for continued ongoing price appreciation. The big mistake they made is they were buying properties that couldn't cash flow from day one. And so look, if the market quote unquote crashed, and their property values dropped 10, 20, even 30, 40%. As long as they had a tenant in there paying rent and that rent covered their operating expenses and their debt service, they could have weathered through that entire recession without a problem because the property value will always change. It'll always go up and down. Like that variable is the constant. But as long as their property's paying for itself, or I'd like to say, as long as the property carries itself, you can weather through any recession, through any storm, you know, any kind of market cycle, because that's the smart way to invest. You invest with ideally positive cash flow. Negative cash flow is not ideal, but there are certain short-term circumstances where it can make sense. But you know, if they would have invested intelligently, they would have had properties that basically carry themselves and pay for themselves. But that's not what happened. They were speculators, not investors. So that was the number one biggest problem is that everybody became a real estate speculator, but thought they were investors. <laughs> I 100% agree. In fact, I know lots and lots of people. In fact, you probably, if you were just watching the news in 2010, you just see bankrupt, 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 like everybody's going bankrupt. Hotels. And here's a sad thing. I know there are quite a few people who are quote unquote Airbnb experts. They got two properties and they're making like this much money and they're like, oh man, it's the best thing in the world. Like, well, I remember in 2009, 2010, hotels weren't doing very well back then. So recently the last, what, four or five years, we've been having a lot of great economy. In fact, Fed's just been printing money, dumping it into the system, which just props everything up and devalues our currency. But anyways, with that, it's always been a up cycle or a booming economy. But at the same time, what happens when it's a down economy? I see if you're speculating, like you said, that's a great word to use. You're speculating. You're hoping it's going to go up. What if it doesn't? That's the downside. And so what I love to do is I love to build a business. So this is one big lesson that I learned because when I first started investing, I didn't know to build the business. I didn't know to get the right people in place. I didn't know any of stuff. The only thing that I have to save in grace was I, I invested for cash flow because I wanted money. I want to be able to feed my family. That was the only one saving grace. But over time, I learned that in building a business, I was able to scale my business even more, finding the right property managers, the right contractors, inspectors, insurance agents, mortgage brokers. Like we have the right people in the business that are going to make sure we're not doing it wrong, meaning your property manager. That's, here's here's a, an example of what would be wrong. Let's say you buy a house, you do everything the quote unquote gurus tell you to, Mark and I wouldn't tell you to this, but quote unquote gurus will tell you to this, find a, find a property, you run the numbers, you maybe make a little bit of money in passive income, spend thousands of dollars to buy the property, spend thousands of dollars to fix up the property. And then you find a tenant and then you find a, try to find a property manager. I've had so many people say, Dustin, I did what those gurus said. And then I tried to call property managers and the property managers would say, no, I won't manage that property because I'll get shot there. Well, it's a bad area because 
you no longer have a an asset anymore. You have a liability because you can't manage it or somebody else is not going to manage it. How much better would it be is if you built the business first, you already have experts there instead of calling, hey, property manager, I bought this property. Instead, you say, I'm looking to buy this property. Would you tell me how much you could rent for? What's the vacancy factor? What's the type of clientele? And will you manage the property? If they say no, well, then you haven't wasted all the time and money buying the property and have a liability. Instead, you actually have somebody who says, oh, I know that area. Like they're the experts. They literally live on the ground. Zillow was saying we can, in that same area, we had similar properties. Zillow said maybe $1,400 a month. We couldn't get $1,400. We can only get $1,300 a month. Well, that's expert advice that they, they are literally boots on the ground that are going to help you to make sure you're doing it mm -hmm. right. So for me, the biggest lesson that I learned was building the business first so that all the properties that I buy, all it is, is just a piece of inventory. I will probably never even care to see it, let alone live in that property. But uh, my, my customers will. With that, my customers are going to be renting my inventory. So I build the business first so that I could then buy the property and put it into my business as a piece of inventory. And it's just like any business, you want to be making sure you're making money every single month. Just like if you had a candy bar and you know, without a shadow of a doubt, you can sell it for a dollar all day, every day. Well, it might cost you 50 cents. That's great. You buy it for 50 cents, sell it for a dollar, you pocket 50 cents. But here's the great thing about real estate investing. Let's say you don't even have to 50 cents to buy the candy bar. You can borrow it that 50 cents for 25 cents and then you're out of pocket 75 cents, none of your own money. And then you can sell it for a dollar. You make 25 cents every single candy bar. You, you will not get enough money. You're like, I want to do more. So when you build the business, you understand your business model, you understand your inventory, your type of clientele, what type of rents, what your expenses are. And then you're saving yourself of all this headache of not knowing. I don't buy a property unless I know with a 99% certainty that I'm gonna make a minimum of $250 a month, that I have people managing it, people insuring it, people everything doing everything in the business before I even buy one property. Yeah, yeah, very, very well said. So you wanna spend a few minutes talking about what we uh, expect to see going forward in the months and year or two to come? Totally, All right. totally. I, I can go ahead and... I'll, actually, I'll let you start. I just talked a lot. Let me have you start and then I'll, I'll uh, add in what I'm thinking. Because I, like I said, in Phoenix, it's already dropped. Last time I heard it was last month when I heard this. So it's even more than that now. But it was 14% last month. It's from the high to now. It's dropped 14%. It's probably like 16, maybe 17% drop now. But from that point forward, what are you think, thinking and seeing? Well, there's probably a lot of thoughts here. First of all, I, I you know it's worth repeating what I said before. It's it's not a matter of if I should invest; it's a matter of where I should invest. There are always opportunities peppered all around the country that are, of course, market specific, like they're they're area specific, neighborhood specific. So there are always opportunities. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of where. And I also like to say it's not a matter of when. The time is now, it's a matter of where. But we have three interesting conditions that are going on right now that are improving affordability, which you know, of course helps homeowners, people who are moving into the real estate market as a homeowner or people who want to move up, which just opens up inventory for those who are moving in. But you know, one is we have rising incomes, however low that may be, but we have you know conditions where there are rising incomes. Second, we are seeing falling home prices. We've seen that for a little while now. That will you know that trend will continue until things start to normalize. But uh, you know, I don't see anything happening that's I would consider a quote unquote crash. You know, I just see adjustments. Some markets are pausing and taking a breather. Other markets had run up too much too fast, and they're adjusting to the new normal of whatever that's going to be. And then 
you know, coupled with that, you know, the third trifecta is the falling mortgage rates. You know, they ran up very, very quickly, which was unprecedented. It was a 41 year, you know, high run up. But now they're coming back down and they'll probably normalize around 5%, I would think, for a period of time. Because I think the Federal Reserve wants to just keep, you know, an ace in their pocket of being able to adjust if they need to. They want that extra leverage or lever to adjust if they need to. But we have rising incomes, falling home prices. We have uh, mortgage rates that are dropping. All this is, these three conditions lead to improved affordability, which is just going to help, you know, the housing market as a whole, which will stabilize pricing. And then, you know, long-term, you know, things will continue to appreciate because of inflation and, and of course, you know, demand outstripping supply. So I think those are all positive things. You know, we're still a little too high on the affordability scale, if you will, that, you know, there's still room for adjustment there. It has to adjust. But I think I'm, you know, bullish. I may have been more bullish a year ago than I am now, but I'm still bullish. But I, you know, I know things move in cycles. And so going forward, again, long-term perspective, invest with a long-term mentality, and you're going to do very well. Real estate is just a very forgiving asset class. I love how slow real estate moves. Like you can see it coming, like a stock could drop in one day. You're like, where'd my, where did everything go? It's gone. But real estate moves rather slow. And then at the same time, you're in control. That's what I love about real estate. You're in control of your asset. And so with that, what I'm seeing also, so I definitely see very, very similar things. I think that the Federal Reserve is eventually going to, I think it's already here, but we're in a recession. I know that. But also, as far as a crash, I'm not sure if we're going to have a crash crash, uh, meaning like everything, the sky's falling, not, not saying that, but I'd see a lot of companies doing layoffs and that hasn't really even hit the market yet. Like that hasn't hit the economy like this, that much less money coming. So like I said, Google's laying off 10,000. Disney literally just yesterday said they're laying off, laying off 7,000. Amazon, another 10,000. Um, Tesla's like, all these companies, even like Chase, the mortgage divisions of banks are laying off thousands and thousands of workers. So they're getting ready for something, it seems like. And I remember uh, Chase Bank, Jamie Dimon, is about a year ago, give or take, said that he sees a lot of economic storm coming, a huge economic storm coming. So whatever the case may be with the economy as it's coming, I love what you said. It's not if you should invest, it's where. Because everywhere in the country, there's always going to be a market for us to invest. Some will be better than others. But at the same time, even in a specific market that you want to invest in, you're going to find great deals in there that other people won't be able to find because all the other ones aren't good deals, but you find the good deals. Who knows? In fact, some of my students, they'll find somebody that's getting a divorce and I just want to stick it to my spouse. I hate that person. I just want to sell it and get out of it. Like, okay, I'll take it from you. You know, so there's always going to be good deals. Now I'm seeing that you're hundred percent right with the interest rates. It seems like the especially the banks, they're like, oh, my mortgages are drying up. We're not, we're having to lay off our workforce of doing these mortgages. And so they're looking at the interest rates going up as well as like mortgage rates. But then also Federal Reserve, this last week, the, when he came out, uh, I can't remember the Fed chair's name, but he came about being much more dovish, not hawkish. You know, like, like, we're going to raise, we're going to raise. So that's going to help. But here's another big you know, interest rates. You know, when I say help, interest rates going to be stabling, stabilizing off and not continue to rise. But another thing, affordability for the homes, the price of the homes. I love, sellers are fantastic, but I love the idea that they're nostalgic. 
sellers are always nostalgic. They're thinking, Matt, six months ago, I could have got this much. A year ago, I could have got this much. So I'm going to hold on. So that's why prices haven't dropped like they probably will in the next six months. So you'll see some more correction. Like you said, Marco, 20% year over year increase. That is nuts. That is crazy. There needs to be a correction. And here's a great thing. Well, I live in Phoenix. And uh, for incidentally, Phoenix is where the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference is going to be at, where you and I are going to be speaking and, and sharing with people. And, and with that, in Phoenix, the market went up like in two years, 50%. It was just a dramatic increase in values or, or um, price of homes. And who was overbidding? It wouldn't be me or you. We don't overbid for properties. We don't pay top dollar for, or, you know, 10% above. It's homeowners. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is now homeowners are now priced out of the market of certain homes. So in Phoenix, remember, this is the desert. Three bedroom, two bath was selling for $500,000. Like this is the desert. Why in the world is it selling for that? It's because homeowners kept driving it up because it was cheap money. Two and a half percent rent. Yeah, I'll be able to afford that. But that $500,000 mortgage at two and a half percent is totally different at a 7%, 6 or mm -hmm. 7%, that only goes $250,000. So who is priced out of the market? Our competitors. You and I, Marco, and everybody listening to your show and my show, we're not competitors. Homeowners, they are our competition. They're the ones that overpay, but they're now priced out of the market, which then brings prices down. Sellers are definitely nostalgic, so it'll eventually come down a little bit more. But when it does, we're going to see like rents have gone up. My rents have just skyrocketed the last couple of years. It's absolutely amazing. So prices will come down. Will we then be able to buy properties? Remember, good deals everywhere. And then when you buy it, capturing that equity if you can, but then also getting that passive income. So I honestly think, so it's 2023 now. By 2024, 2025, I think right now is the best time to get started if you're not already starting, but then be buying deals now because when it does, if it does come where they're every screaming, oh, it's the worst time ever to buy. I like what Warren Buffett said. You need to buy when there's blood in the street. When everybody says don't buy, that's when you buy. When everybody says to sell, that's when you don't sell. Yeah. <laughs> you do the opposite of what everybody else, the crazy people want to do. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just to add to that, I would argue that because of it rising interest rates, among other factors, that even investors, a lot of investors have kind of put the brakes on or stepped to the side. So, you know, if homeowners are your competition, I would say that this is, you know, becoming a really opportune time for as a real estate investor, because there's still a lot of real estate investors that are, you know, waiting to see what's going to happen. They're on the sideline. They're going to, you know, try and time a particular market, whatever the case is. So you have less competition you know, trying to chase after or bid on particular properties in certain areas, if that's where you're looking. So, you know, I, I think conditions are forming where it's very opportune to, you know, push the gas pedal, at least pretty soon and start acquiring more property. Totally, totally. I'm really looking forward to it. And so everybody, you're listening to our show. I mean, you're listening to basically Marco and I, investors telling you what we're doing and how we're seeing the market. And what you're hearing us say is literally that right now or every single time that you're thinking about investing, that's the right time. You just need to find out where to invest and which property to invest in. You need to find the right deals because they're going to be out there. In fact, my students, even all through 21 and 22, 2021 and 2022, where prices were just crazy, sellers were holding onto properties, my students were capturing equity because we put in offers and we go after the deals. We don't buy bad deals. Like you won't buy a candy bar for $1.25 if you can only sell it for a dollar. Why would you do that? You'd be losing money every single month. Might as well only buy the good deals. And so 100%. So I definitely believe, and this is the reason why we're putting on the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference is because we see, you and I see, and all the, and actually we have 42 
43 now, 43 speakers, man, it's going to be awesome. All expert investors of different things from land investing to storage units, to passive investing like you, Marco, to mobile homes, to mobile home parks, not necessarily the boxes, but syndications, everything, all the above. And we're showing you that even now, especially now, like that's the only time to invest is now, right now, there are great deals out there and we're going to show you how to actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that, you know, so people know where and when it is and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, just kind of a closing comment. I mean, we could have multiple closing comments here, you know, for people who are wondering, you know, whether we're going to be in a recession or have a recession soon, you could argue that we are already in a recession, you know, maybe not technically speaking, but this year we'll probably see the media start talking about a recession more and more. And then, you know, there's already a lot of talk about, well, if we're in a recession, you know, the Fed's going to try and have a soft landing. I think they just want to kind of curb consumer demand. So that way, you know, we don't see a crash anywhere across the board, whether in the stock market or the housing market. I think they want to lower inflation, curb consumer demand, let markets adjust, and then, you know, just let things kind of continue forward in a more controlled growth mode, you know, controlled pace. I think as an investor in many asset classes, the only thing I am really concerned about, and I think the biggest concern that most investors should be concerned about is what I refer to as the highly unlikely event, or what you might call a black swan event, the unknown unknowns, you know, you couldn't predict, you know, the SNL crisis, you couldn't you know, predict the coronavirus, the Lehman Brothers collapse, and you know, all that, that fiasco back in 2008. I mean, you know, aliens coming down and swooping us up. These things you can't predict, you can have theories about it, but you just don't know what's going to happen or when, like a 9-11, for example. So these black swan events, you know, certainly can and do happen. That's a major disruption. But, you know, if you look back at every event like that, we've come out of it. It may have taken several years, but we've survived and we've come out of it. So to me, that's kind of the worst case scenario. If you do your due diligence up front and invest intelligently, you'll do well. It might take a little longer if you make a few mistakes, but you know, my only concern right now are black swan events. Well, if we see from coronavirus, you know, in 2020, that was a black swan event. Nobody saw that coming. But you see how much more ripping roaring after that that we that it, so we we always bounce back. Absolutely we'll always bounce back. But those black swan events. We have no clue if they're going to come, but as long as we're trying to best to protect ourselves, making like you, you know, uh, passive investing, getting cash flow every single month, if we do that, more than likely we're going to be okay. And it eventually will weather past it, and eventually to come back, and we'll be better than ever. And so even through the you know crash in 2012 to the coronavirus and all that sort of stuff, I make more and more money every single time something like this happens. Now it's it's a bummer in the beginning, but eventually I make more and more money. Yeah, for sure. So what do we have going on in Phoenix, the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference or RubeCon for short? This is the second annual event. You've uh, invited me to come back as a keynote speaker. I appreciate that. So why don't you share the what, the where, the when, and the why? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so just like you, I have got a lot of people that are in our community. And so I created the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference to bring all of us expert speakers, expert investors to bring our community, to build a community. It's not a sales pitch type of, yeah, run to the back and give us money. No, it's all about you and community. So it's going to be in Phoenix, May 4th through the 6th. And it'll be here. It'll be a three-day conference. 
and it's literally all about giving to you as an audience. Marco and I will literally be walking the halls, hanging out with everybody, talking with everybody. And you, you'll know a lot of other conferences, speakers will come, they'll do their one speech and then leave. They, they don't stay for the conference. No, this is a community that we're building. So come hang out with Marco and myself. And actually there's 43 total speakers. And these are expert investors, people, experts on subject two, like how to get properties with subject two financing, um, you know, subject to the loan. Uh, to Airbnb, to storage units, all the above. We are all investors and there are so many great ways to invest. We're going to broaden your mind to how you can invest, how you can protect yourself, capitalize in the recession and become even better investors. And like I said, you're going to be able to hang out with Marco at, at RubeCon and you'll, and you'll be able to see him. He's He's one of the one of the taller guys. At, at I'm not that tall, so I, I always I, oh Marco, you're pretty tall. <laughs> this is pretty fun. So it'll be great to be able to hang out with you, Marco, yep. again. But then all of our audiences, like we're all of the speakers, we have our own students and audiences. We're bringing them all together. We're just trying to build a big community of everybody helping each other out because we're not competition. Really, when you really really look at it, we're not competition. If we view it as we're helping each other out, my goodness. Life gets so much better yep. investing. And actually, everybody, if you're listening, I would love for you to come. And I even want to give you a 10% off code. Use the promo code Marco. Use the promo code Marco. It'll give you 10% off your ticket. We just want to see you become real estate investors or continue. If you're, an, if you're an accredited investor, we have opportunities for you to invest as well. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. And I'm glad that you're going to be up there keynoting again and sharing your insights and everything. So everybody needs to come so they can at least to hang out with you. If anything, that's what they need to well, do. They should hang out with everybody there. Cause like you said, it's a community. There's some great people. Like I had a lot of fun last year. I met so many great people. You know, I was learning a little bit of stuff from everybody that I was talking to. So, you know, it's just, it's kind of like a mastermind, you know, everybody's kind of sharing their knowledge and asking questions and getting help and everybody's contributing. It, it it's just a great, great environment to be in. And if you're an investor or a wannabe investor, this is a place to be. You know, you really need to rub shoulders with people who are doing it, making it happen. And how much more do you realize that the people that are putting their money to fly to a location, buy a ticket, and then they're serious. They're not just kicking yeah. tires. They're not just, oh, I kind of want it. No, no, these people are serious about their business and they're serious about investing. And you getting around like... In my life, everybody knows that I'm an investor. Everybody from church, everybody from the gym, everybody from all, but nobody's investors. I can't, I had to put this on to get investors around me. And so imagine all over the country, even I have people flying from out of the country into America to come to the conference. So with that, you're getting these, these are the cream of the crop. These are the people that are, they're very serious about investing. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to be able to network with them and you guys are going to be growing so tremendously in your business and in your investing, but definitely get your ticket 10% off. Use the promo code Marco. And I just want to see you grow just like all of us. We're, I'm going to be there growing as well. I love learning from everybody. Yeah. Awesome. Dustin, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we kind of uh, had this last minute impromptu conversation. Absolutely. Same here, Marco. It's great seeing you again. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon and we'll encourage everybody to join us in Phoenix uh, for your next event. Well, that is it for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode, you know, the uh, conversation with uh, Dustin. Hopefully you got a little bit out of it. It was fun and I would do it again. But again, you know, this is a great event that's coming up and we wanted to talk about whatever came to mind, but at the same time also tell you about RubeCon 2023 that's coming up again soon. 
So that is it for today. Remember to subscribe if you haven't done so already. My team is here for you. If you want to have a strategy session with them, just by all means, give them a call or just shoot them an email through the contact form on our website. That is it for today. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you being here and we will see you all on our next episode. Are you on track to achieve your financial goals? Income producing real estate is the most historically proven way to accumulate wealth and has created more financial freedom than any other means. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best turnkey cash flow rental properties. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly income. Get your free strategy session with our knowledgeable investment counselors at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.